2: Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world, I'm Russell Toby.
3: And I'm Robert Diamond, And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you, Rob? Today, Russell, we are in London, Woo. and I've come up from Margate, and it's actually the first time I've been in London since I was sick with COVID, so it's, it's quite an adventure. It feels very like I've been locked in a room for like five weeks, and now I'm outdoors. And it's so great to be here. But now
2: we're back in a room.
3: But I am feeling a number of things. Oh. I'm feeling very queer, actually, having just seen the exhibition that we've seen, which is something I feel resolutely queer. Um, So that's that's a good feeling to have left the show that we've just seen with. I also feel slightly awkward and slightly kind of self-conscious because the work is so personal Mm. and constructed in such a way that there are certain angles and perspectives within the paintings that as a viewer you do feel slightly on edge or something like it's a i don't know it's a very unusual experience but yeah, a good one yes. but also slightly rare in a way like yeah i feel touched by the work because it is so intimate it feels like an offering a very generous offering of Kind of like sharing your vision of the world and your your connections to other humans yeah. w- with the viewer. Yeah. So you almost become like a a third person in the work. Or I something. feel
2: like it's a, re- a reluctant permission to stare. You've been given permission, but there is like y- you feel like you're still imposing, even though you've been allowed in. Oh, I see. Like being yeah reluctant as a viewer. Like always,
3: yeah. like should I be yeah. here? Or yeah. something? yeah. So that's that's a unique thing, which I think is so brilliant. Yeah, to see that in brand new. Paintings and and within this artist's work, yeah. and there's also an amazing book we just saw, which everyone should buy once you've heard this interview, because the book is just so beautiful as well. So we are very excited to meet our guest, who has come all the way from America, from New York, I think, Brooklyn. So we would like to welcome to Talk Art, Jenna, Jenna Gribbon.
1: Hi, Jenna. Hi. Wow. Thank you. That was <laughs> that was exciting to hear. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's not like been the game show, some people. <laughs> yeah. So.
1: And watch, actually. I've never seen it, you know, it live. <laughs> so that, was, that was cool.
2: Yeah. So you're in London, and you you live in Brooklyn. You're from Knoxville, Tennessee, originally. I certainly am. What is London like for you at the minute? How has it been? Because you opened the show last night.
1: London has been so much fun, actually. I have been, been doing a lot of traveling in the last couple of years, so it's mm-hmm. nice to be somewhere different. And yeah, it's such a Good place to be in the winter actually it's such a cozy city so many fireplaces and mm-hmm. nooks and crannies and beautiful pubs and things like that so yeah
2: London it, suits the winter absolutely
1: I feel like we've been on a like a tour of coziness or something like <laughs> looking for the coziest place to sit and going there so it's been really nice that's
2: amazing and this isn't your first time you've shown in London
1: it's not my first time showing no I was in a group show at a gallery called Mammoth about two years ago. Mm -hmm. Gosh, time. Mm. And then about a year ago, I did a two-person show at Sim Smith Gallery. Two person, it was it was me and collaborating with the estate of Agnes Varda um, and kind of making a painting about my relationship to her work, which was very exciting for me, but unfortunately I didn't get to come for that. Uh, because of COVID restrictions. So I'm excited to actually be here in person for this show. And I'm here for about a week, and it's the longest I've spent here. So. Wow. So, you know, and talking about
3: Agnes Varda, what, what 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 was the kind of impulse to sort of work with, with the estate of her work?
1: I've just been at an, an admirer of her work and kind of the themes in her work for so long. And I think that she's someone I think about a lot and whose work I look to a lot and always have. And so, yeah, the work was just really about my admiration for her. But and And I think that she has this way of looking at the looking, you know, and that relates to a lot of what I do. And so I thought it would just be interesting to make, you know, paintings about having my friends kind of experience her work. So I would, you know, project her films and have my friends watch them. And and, you know, document that experience and paint about that. And then also that her films are so – the lighting can be so painterly and beautiful, and mm. so I, you know, made some paintings also from stills, and we showed some clips of the films and some, some stills from her films. And cool. um, Did you
2: ever I, meet her? Because she passed away a couple of years ago. I, I
1: did meet her once. Oh, you did? Yeah, wow. briefly. And it's so funny, actually, because I'm not – a person who's very easily starstruck or I don't get nervous around famous people. But uh-huh. I went to a screening of one of her films and she was there for a Q&A afterwards. And I I actually met her before the film because I was sitting and having a drink in the like bar adjacent to the theater. And I saw her and I introduced myself and I just instantly started weeping, like uncontrollably. Oh my God. (laughs) It was kind of silly, I guess, but I was just so... I just feel such gratitude to her for for her work, and she was really sweet. She was like, she was like, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. The world needs people like you who feel things so deeply. So Love that was. That like, must
2: be a reaction she got a lot in her I lifetime.
1: I don't know. Maybe I mean, it was a little bit of like, who is this? I mean, I would. I think mean, she'd how be dramatic like, this, were this you?
2: Very dramatic. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Was, <laughs> was, you, was you screaming was like, as well? Was no, you holding I, on to her I, or? I
1: was like a kind of, you know. Semi-sobbing, so it was wow. really, I, I don't, it, you know, I am can be an emotional person, so, yeah.
2: you know. How would you summarize <laughs> Agnes Varda then for people that don't know her work?
1: You know, she's the sort of only well-known woman of the French New Wave, and so, you know, she kind of came on the scene with her film Cleo from 5 to 7, which is a film that follows a woman in real time, worrying about whether or not she has cancer. And she's a a famous um, singer. And it's it's such a beautiful film because she's grappling with her mortality, but she's also, you know, going through the world and seeing herself... She can't shake this kind of, like, obsession with her own image and her own, you know, her beauty, and she's kind of, like in the face of death, she's still like subject to the gaze so much. And yeah, it's a really beautiful film, but she, she's made so many beautiful films and we could talk this yeah. this whole but time But was it about, your idea to her. do that
2: two-person show? Did you come up with that concept? Um,
1: you know, I had made a painting at one point that was about two of my friends having a conversation about Agnes Varda because I used to make paintings about people having conversations. And um, Sim Smith saw that painting, and then she she had a connection with someone at um, their foundation, and so she had the idea that maybe we could a show together so
3: cool one of our previous guests alistair mcclellan did an amazing portrait of her just before she passed away maybe like a year before that was on the cover of gentlewoman magazine with her white the white roots the white yeah Yeah, i I love the way she also presented herself as a human being you know her style and Mm. her kind of um generosity of spirit you always felt it in her portraits as well
1: yeah Yeah. and in her work her work is so generous yeah um yeah her her look is just completely iconic
3: Mm. so this time around you have a solo show um here in in central london we're actually on south audley street and as russ and i were walking up we were looking at all the architecture and there was a church well it looks like a church but we russ was like that looks like an american kind of style of church and we looked at it and it actually was it was
2: yeah yeah it's from massachusetts or something but it's for the american armed forces while they were positioned here at one
3: building we just saw it as walking up (laughs) um so when you walk up the street there's actually one of jenna's paintings in the window which is an amazing thing what does that feel like having one of your works kind of in you know, on display for the public to walk past.
1: I mean, it's so surreal. I it, So that particular painting is my partner Mackenzie shining a light at the viewer. Mm. So it's kind of nice because she's shining a light on, you know, all the people walking by. And the show is called Light Holding, so it kind of drives home the idea that, it, that the title is very literal. It's mm. not, you know, metaphorical. It's, like, actually about holding this physical clamp light that's kind of a recurring character throughout the...
2: The show, mm. yeah. Well, well, the recurring character Mackenzie, your partner, is your muse, yes. and and uh, m- myself, and I'm sure many people have assumed that the characters that appear in your work is you. For uh, many years, I thought that was Jenna Gribbon I was yeah, seeing. I
3: see. We we both did actually. Oh, that's we sort funny, of weirdly yeah. assumed that. And that, so does, that,
2: does that happen in a lot? Do people stuff. assume that's you? Because it's very rare to see a muse on that level appear over and over again when it isn't self-portraits.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, that is a really common thing, and, and she'll get approached and be like, are you the artist? Oh, really? Um, yeah. yeah.
3: And she is <laughs> yeah. an artist, but a different kind. She She's is, a musician yeah. and is known as Torres, mm-hmm. um, amazing kind of indie yeah. um, rock musician. Yeah. yeah.
2: But what an amazing thing to be kind of recognized from art, from painting, <laughs> from you painting <laughs> her.
1: It's a rare thing these days, I think.
2: Yeah, totally. So what is what is that energy of having the muse and, and having that be like a huge focal point for your practice. How, how did that sort of develop?
1: Um, well, it's it's very convenient for one thing. So I feel very lucky that um, she inspires me so much and she lives with me. So I have constant access to like her small movements and activities and and everything is a potential painting. So it makes my job a little easier. I don't have to look too far for her. And And there are a lot of paintings in the show also of my son yeah um, yes, so, um, and that's so i I just recently did a show in New York, and they were all paintings of Mackenzie, and this show has has both mackenzie and my son and and I think, yeah, my work is really concerned with intimacy and all the implications of that and and what we think of as other people's intimacy and and misconceptions about that and all these things, so it just makes sense for me to. If I'm if I'm talking about intimacy, then obviously I have to paint about what what's most intimate in my life, mm. and those are the two most intimate relationships.
3: One of my favorite paintings by you is called "Working Mum," mm. which is uh, you kind of reach. I assume it's you reaching out your hand to your son, yeah. and it is just the most extraordinary. Portrait and it brings up so many kind of memories for me of my own childhood with my mum. It was really mm, mm. like I forgot about all these things, like where I used to touch my mum's wrist and sort of almost pad it yeah. to help me get to sleep at night, <laughs> oh, and that really? kind of. I used like... to
2: sniff my mum's cheeks. Did you? Used to... I used to <laughs> sniff her cheek. Oh, that's sleep. So like, yeah,
3: but I forgot about that kind of. I think as a. I don't know, like once you become a teenager and you kind of start to identify as being a solo person, like somehow separate from your parents, you know, and you become your own individual mind. Or they're human,
2: you suddenly realise they're human. Yeah, you realise they're human, that's
3: true actually. But I just thought that painting was almost devastating. Like it's just extraordinary. Can you talk a bit about that work in particular?
1: Yeah, I I love that painting too. So that was, that came from, you know, a time when I was was working in the studio a lot. And actually I was in, in grad school at the time. And, you know... Sometimes I would have a late class or I would have to work late and then I would come home and my son would be asleep already, which was kind of the most heartbreaking thing because yeah. when they're that age, it's like you don't want to miss a second, especially bedtime because it's so sweet and important kind of. And yeah, it just sort of provokes such a strong feeling, that feeling of, of those moments. And, and I was just thinking about how universal that is with, you know, mothers having to miss those moments and and that a lot of people would be able to identify with that feeling and yeah, just the sort of reaching out and kind of trying to be close to him, but not wake him up, you know? So it's like so gentle. And speaking of intimacy, actually, I think some of the most intimate paintings I've ever seen or, or experienced as, as intimacy are Mary Cassatt's paintings of, oh, right. you know, mothers and, and children. There's something so spot on about the, the physicality of those paintings mm. and the the particular like, yeah, unself consciousness of the way that the subjects interact with each other, the children interacting with their with their mothers. That's so, yeah. It's a, it's really about intimacy. And she's you know I love her paintings uh, for many reasons, but that's one of them.
3: When did you first see that work? Was that when you were like younger?
1: Yeah. So actually, it's funny because um, I think uh, Mary Cassatt is one of the f- first painters I ever came in contact with. I didn't I wasn't exposed to any art when I was growing up. There I never went to museums or saw paintings.
2: This is in Tennessee. Yeah. So East there's Tennessee. not much culture in Tennessee?
1: I mean, um there wasn't there wasn't a lot of, you know, visual art awareness in in my own family. Right. You know, my grandfather was kind of a Sunday painter and I, you know, had an aunt who lived in Atlanta who like Liked art, kind of, you know. She had some books, but like in general, I I wasn't really exposed to it. We did. I never went to museums as a yeah. child, or we didn't have any art books. It was, but I always loved drawing and painting. And I remember being at like a bargain bookstore, and there was this Mary Cassatt book like on the bargain table, and you know I. It was, it was very rare to ask for something and have it bought for me, you know, because money was tight and it wasn't just like I could have whatever I wanted. But I just begged for this book because I was at the bookstore looking at it like so blown away by – I was looking at the brushstrokes and the way things combined. And I was like, how does it look so real when it's so messy, you know? Because mm. as a child, it's all like – color things neatly in the lines and I was like these aren't neat at all but they're so real and I was so immediately fascinated by them and so and the book was was bought for me and I took it home and I think I spent hours of my childhood just like staring at these pictures trying to figure out like this like magic how this magic was possible you know it it was completely um yeah mystical and i think it really informed certain things about you know my ideas about brushstrokes and how paint is applied and so it wasn't from learning in a class or studying real painting it was just from these like reproductions in this one mm. book and i think it really just seeped in in so many ways
2: did that sort of solidify the, the decision to become an artist at that moment
1: you know i think I don't know what solidified that or or if it was solidified until much later. But I I always, um, like I said, you know, drawing and painting was a kind of escapism for me as a child. Okay. It was just, and, you know, I didn't, I grew up, it was, you know, as a child in the 80s and there was kind of, I had no classes after school or nothing to do all summer or wh- whatever. And it's like the South and it's hot outside and It wasn't really, I wasn't athletic or, you know, it was like the one thing that I could do with my time that was exciting. And so I just spent all my time drawing and painting and, and reading books. That's like all I did. And so I just, it just kind of evolved naturally. And it's funny because my mom, you know, never had any sense of there being a contemporary art world or that there are artists in the world, but she would always be like, oh, my daughter's an artist, you know, which is <laughs> <laughs> really funny. I remember actually...
2: That's an affirmation that age, is Yeah, it? exactly. And,
1: and pretty rare, I think, yes. especially for someone not having any clue what that even means yeah, yeah, in yeah. the world today. Yeah. So, yeah, there was this time and I think it was first grade and the teacher had a conference with my mom because she said there was this problem, which was that... I filled all the margins of my paper with drawings. You know, I would finish my work and I would just draw over everything. And the teacher was like, "You, you know, she needs to stop doing this. This is a problem. She's just drawing all the God. time." And my mom was like, "Is she getting her work done?" And she was like, "Well, yes." And my mom was like, "You're not allowed to tell her. She can't draw. My daughter's an artist." And, you know, it was like,
2: yeah. What was you drawing? Was yeah. what was the kind of sketches that you were going? You know, through?
1: it's funny because I always drew people. You did, yeah. Right. Um, which is kind of weird, yeah. but like I would make up faces and draw people and, um,
2: a lot of yeah. artists, what we spoke to, the things that they kind of go to as a kid, they kind of telephone doo-doo, their, their instinct or yeah. what they've stayed with yeah. throughout their career, yeah, which is fascinating.
1: Yeah. And sometimes I would have a friend come up and be like, well, can you draw me a horse or something? I'd be like. Okay, I think I could try that, you know, and I've got try. a human face. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Didn't you actually um submit your paintings as a child uh into a prize or something and you won a oh, prize? Yeah,
1: this I don't know how this story I mentioned it in something, but yes, it was like the first day of kindergarten. And I walked in and there was like an easel and they were like, oh, you can do this. You can go to this center or this center or you can make a painting. I was like, well, obviously I'm going to go make <laughs> a painting. And I, wow. I made a painting and then, you know, the teacher, there was some kind of like county fair. So the school submitted all the, like a bunch of art, student art from the school or something. And it like won a blue ribbon or, you know, it's, it's silly, silly stories. But I guess, you know, along the way, I somehow, you know, in a place where there was essentially no concept of the fact that there are living artists came came out with this idea that that I was one or could be one or something. But it's it's all like a little delusional, you know, because it's not mm. it wasn't based on any knowledge of any kind of reality.
2: Mm. So. so you left there at what age and went to Brooklyn?
1: Um, well so I left Tennessee and I, I moved to Athens, Georgia, and I went to college at the University of Georgia. Which
3: is where Michael Stipe is from. Right. Yes. And REM, true. our friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know the, Michael be, too. Been on the podcast before.
1: Yeah. Michael's great. Oh, cool. Really Yeah, great.
3: I've always wanted to go to Athens. Athens I was actually is amazing. Think, thinking about it this week because I live in a seaside town called Margate. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about the community that's building in Margate mm-hmm. and how I, it feels quite like what I would imagine Athens to be like. Somehow, the way that there's so many different types of creative people there.
1: Yeah, Athens was a really magical place to live for those years. And, you know, sometimes I would think like, oh, I should have gone to art school in New York. I would have like had a community there and things would have happened so much faster or something. But but I actually so value my experience um, in that town. Mm. I was, you know, I knew so many Creative people, and yeah, it's an amazing music town. And some of my closest friends that still today are are friends that I made there. And it was the kind of place where you'd be like, and actually, at the time, I was making a lot of experimental films, and you could just be like, Oh, I want to make this film. You want to be in my film? And everyone would be like, Sure, because no one, you know, people things aren't so demanding there people aren't working 80 hour weeks or whatever so mm. like sure i'll be in your film or like yeah i can help you with the editing or i'll like hold the camera or what you know it's like everyone is happy to pitch in and make things together and at the time it was during this elephant 6 uh music uh moment where there were all these bands that would kind of share um like switch around who was playing what instrument and they were all kind of in the same band and people all were
2: The band and was called was like Elephant a, Six. No,
1: it was a, that was like a a group of bands.
2: Oh right. What's that come from?
1: The name? I have no idea. Yeah,
2: Elephant but, Six, you heard of that? No,
3: I haven't actually but it sounds like a, a kind of movement like
2: a, yeah.
1: yeah. It was a very it feels sounds like, like it a was movie a title. Collaborative yeah. Time. It was a very a place with a real collaborative spirit. And yeah, there's like you could go swimming in a river and just sit on porches and have conversations and parties and houses and um yeah, it was and and very inexpensive place to live. And
3: creativity is possible. I love that yeah. idea of like permission and possibility, like the mm-hmm. idea that because there's other people who are up for holding the camera with yeah. you yeah means the film does get made yeah Do you know exactly. what I mean it's like yeah. you kind of all look out for each other yeah exactly yeah
2: so, yeah it sounds idyllic it sounds like you had a really nice because you said earlier on like you were at home and you were reading and yeah. you were kind of drawing that sounds like heaven I mean at the time you might be like I need to be doing more yeah. but that and then this time now you're saying you can sit on porches and chat. <laughs> you've had this kind of really tender idyllic soft kind of journey into the art world
1: i mean i wouldn't call my childhood idyllic um you know it was i think childhood is hard actually i think it's hard to be a child Mm. and i don't think i really enjoyed it that much i much prefer being an adult really but um but yeah college was idyllic in a certain kind of way Mm. it's there was this i don't you know i don't know if it's that town if it's still like that or if i happen to be there at the right moment um but anyway it was it was great and then I moved to New York in 2003 so it's been it's been a while now.
3: So thinking about the films you were making like if you look at the paintings in the current show here in London they're constructed in such a way that it's almost like you've taken a picture at a certain angle and then created the painting from that picture mm-hmm. but the perspectives that you have are actually very like film director like mm-hmm. in a way aren't they That they're super specific and I don't really, it's not that easily recognisable either. They're kind of almost like in the middle of a motion and then you stop in the middle. Whereas on the camera, the camera probably would have kept moving. Right. Like, is that something that you've thought about consciously
2: or is it?
1: Yeah, I I do think so. And I think my paintings do have a bit of a cinematic quality to them in a way. Definitely stills,
2: they're movie stills. Yeah,
1: and even the light has sometimes has a kind of projected light Feeling or something yeah. you know I think they they do owe a lot to to cinema and i and I do get inspired by you know watching films and and i I see paintings when I watch films, you know, and then and i sometimes in my life i'll it is like freezing a frame or something I'll see something and then and be like my brain will kind of freeze it for a second, and be like, oh, there's a painting there, you know yeah. it is kind of maybe that is well, and then, Different then, than other people.
2: Would you then go and would you go home to Mackenzie and say let's recreate that image? Because how is the process? Do you? I mean, you were following her around with a camera the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> basically, <laughs> basically. She's like, not again. And then and then you work. You you sketch from the photograph on your phone, or do you print them out, or you work from a laptop? What is your process to get to what we're seeing in the exhibition now?
1: So um, this exhibition actually has three very different kinds of paintings in it and they're made in three very different ways so the large paintings um the scapes um, and they're called scapes because they refer both to landscape and escape like the kind of the escapism of con- consuming um other people's Im- imagery of other people's lives mm-hmm. and bodies um and and I think that's like a very popular form of escapism in our in our time. Mm-hmm. Um, and those paintings um, are actually meant to read as highly constructed intimate moments. You know, they're not something, they're not actually feasible. Most of them, you know, that like we wouldn't be sitting in a raft in a stormy sea with this like placid brightly lit with this placid expression naked. It's just like completely implausible. Often the, the positions of the limbs are implausible, and you kind of like have to stare at it to even try to figure out whose limbs are whose, and if they could really be that way, or, um, and and they're they're sort of meant to f- have a kind of fakeness to them, and then the um, and so those, you know, I've. Um, use this clamp light, especially in this show. This show is, again, kind of all about this clamp light.
2: Someone um, holding the light. Yeah, light yeah
1: bright, brightly lit, and sometimes the light is in the frame. Sometimes I'm just shining it at her. Sometimes she's shining it at me. But they all have this, like, bright, really harsh light, these very fake kind of backgrounds that are painted just from my head, essentially. Right. Um, but those are obviously, like, you know, I, I take photographs of her with our Limbs entwined, or or of us with our limbs entwined, and then the medium-scale portraits—they're sort of more classically scaled and refer more to the history of portraiture Mm -hmm. and kind of question um, the like power dynamics of of a portrait. Um, So the light kind of changes hands, and so when the um, subject is lighting themselves, and you can see, you know, the clamp light um where they're lighting themselves that, that the subject has the agency or if i'm lighting them they're kind of made uncomfortable by it cuz it's sort of glaring and mm. they're squinting and it's like uncomfortable to be in the bright light mm-hmm. of being the subject and then in the um and then there are ones where they're turning the light at the viewer and so then suddenly you're in in the spotlight and you're like oh god i didn't think it was yeah. gonna come to the show and be lit yeah, and yeah. questioned you know suddenly you're like audience I being...
2: participation it's like no don't <laughs> don't call me up on stage exactly yeah it's yeah.
1: uncomfortable you're like oh am i being interrogated am i being like implicated yeah. you know um and then there are the small paintings which are um I, I take photos with my phone, but I kind of steal these little moments that we were talking about where it's like a freeze frame of something and I see something and I kind of sneak a little picture often without maybe Mackenzie or my child knowing that I'm doing it. And so to me, those the small paintings are more truly voyeuristic. Yeah. Um, and even though, you know, in this show, for example, you know, well, there's one painting that where we're scantily clad but most of them were she's clothed for example so in the one um called couch cramps she's wearing a sweater she's on the couch she has a heating pad on on her abdomen you know she has cramps and mm-hmm. it's very vulnerable and intimate and um to me that's the one that's sort of like well this is a little you know ethically murky are we should we be here would she want us here does she want to be for us to witness this very vulnerable, mm. um, unglamorous moment. Yeah. Um, and I like just the way that the, the sort of interplay of all those different kinds of, the, you know, the real and the fake and just like showing the behind the scenes of the way an artist constructs, constructs an image and, and then offers it to the, to the viewer.
3: We actually call it a water bottle. In, oh. in, in england like yeah. it's like a what you fill hot, with yeah. hot a water, hot water bottle yeah. yeah what did i say heat pad heat pad oh that's different yeah it's, yeah, a, it's, a, a, different it's a hot water hot bottle. water bottle right, yeah exactly yeah because oh, yeah. it's like a red pad kind of
1: also but this it, this was a heating pad is like the thing you plug in
3: Ah, yeah, okay ah. like a well,
2: well a heat pad here is if you've got a bad back you get like a patch heat patch where it is yeah
1: yeah i said the wrong thing it's a water bottle
3: i was gonna say because i love that's one of my favorite works on the show i think it's an amazing work that
1: and that actually, I I was thinking of Mary Cassatt when I made that because oh. she has this um, this one painting where there's this really amazing way that she painted this dress and I always loved it I was like I want to paint a fabric like that and I was really thinking of her when I painted that sweater yeah.
3: It's interesting the clamp light as well because the type of light that gives off is so specific and so kind of man made in a way like it's got it, it, it's very different to natural light like I was saying to Russ and we were walking around we've got mutual friends of yours like um, Deron Langberg sure. and if you think of Deron's paintings and even his teacher Lisa Escavage of the way that they paint light mm-hmm. and the way that it's often looks like natural light coming through a window mm-hmm. that might hit someone's I don't know jumper and then it might make it a red light or something even though it's not I don't know that there's always this feeling that like a glass might change the color of the light or something Mm -hmm. like that but with your work it's like it's much more intense and filmic because Mm -hmm. of the fact that it's this light bulb yeah you know and occasionally it takes you to a place of candlelight as well Mm -hmm. like there's moments of that like in the limbs Mm -hmm. you sometimes see the old
2: master painting in some ways it's like a Vermeer quality Mm -hmm. which is all about the light Mm -hmm. a Titian or something it just feels like you're channeling the old masters, and Mm -hmm. then bringing it into a contemporary context. Yeah, because it's so
3: contemporary with that light bulb. Like, can you speak a bit about that approach and why the clamp light?
1: Yeah, so the clamp light is really specific to this show. I think I had one painting with the clamp light in my show in the fall in New York. But, um, yeah, I I think a lot about um, the way that light informs... uh, the, the narrative, the way it can change completely, the way that we read something. So um, I just think it's it's an interesting tool and metaphor and all these things.
2: Was it, was it a happy accident, though? Was you like, I want a clamp light? Or was you like, I need some sort of device that's going to give me...
1: Yeah, I liked the way that the clamp light has the sort of glaring um
2: interrogation interrogation
1: effect and it's it's not it's not beautiful or romantic um and and i wanted it to to there to be contrast between that so there you have the sense of oh there's this is the the constructed image and then this is this is something more real when you see the the paintings that have a more natural light. Yeah. And I think you do see examples of what you were talking about with like window light or something like that a lot more often in, you know, my small paintings. Oh, that right. are, yeah, 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 yeah.
2: There's a celebration of the discomfort in your practice though, which is something you don't shy away from. But also, was there any trepidation when you started to really show your private life? we were seeing really intimate scenes yes. with your partner. When you first started putting that out in the world, is, is there a part of you that's fearful of, giving too much of yourself away on that context was Mackenzie your partner mm-hmm. like people were really seeing me they're recognizing me from yeah. paintings <laughs>
3: what
2: what sort of conversations were you having then with yourself and with your partner
1: yeah that was actually really terrifying for me because um, I think I'm naturally a pretty private person I actually you know kind of hold my cards close to my chest you
2: really appear in your work yeah yeah
1: um, and it felt so exposing, but then I just i don't know i i also um i it felt somehow important to make these paintings. so I just sort of went for it, but it did feel a little bit like jumping off a cliff or something. Um, but as far as she's concerned, you know, she's a performer, she loves. For people to see her, she's she has a very exhibitionistic side. So that's maybe partly why we're such a good match. You know, I I have this voyeurism thing, and then she has this exhibitionism thing, and it's very symbiotic.
3: That's also why she's so captivating, though, as a subject. Yeah, because the the um, slight movements of her face or hands, her gestures are so. Intense, yeah, and so brilliant, and yeah. you can see that. I mean, I've never met her, but like, I already she's here in London. With really me, love her. Is. I think she's brilliant. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's something she she's really captivating.
1: She has um one of those faces that looks really different from different angles. Exactly, yeah. and that and she has like, it, and it's a very expressive face. She has these really big eyes, and they're kind of um yeah. You see these like the the micro expressions mm. really easily, especially when you make her face so large like in the big ones and And the interiority as well yeah I
3: feel like she's got such an inner world going on yeah just perhaps because she's a singer-songwriter and all those things but like I don't know she she has a a really
1: a really powerful presence too which I which I really enjoy because you know the history of painting women is so you know like 99% of women in the history of painting are so demure and and she's and that is not a word I would ever use to describe her. Yeah, there's a kind of so, passivity, <laughs> there, like a yeah. passiveness
3: of the 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 way that women have been presented in yeah. paintings. Can you speak a bit about that point of like why it was important to make these these works, like in particular, like even from a queer perspective? Like, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I you know, my work really shifted after the 2016 election when it was this thing of. I don't know. This realization that so many, that so much territory was already just—we've accepted that that um, that we're all on the same page. That that these are basics of how we think of women. Yeah. That we, you know,
2: the battle's been won, or, or you're, yeah, just, yeah. There's, there's still a ways there's a to certain go. Progress but, has yeah. been made, or yes. something. Yeah,
1: yeah, and then it was like, oh. Wow, how how could I have been so naive? Yeah. So, um, and obviously, like we need to take a few steps back and kind of um, reinforce some things that we thought were a given, and mm-hmm. just kind of like relitigate some certain some territory, and and be really explicit. I think before, um, you know, my work tended to be more. I don't know, it was like vague or something. And I was like, I think actually what people need is like something really legible, something really tangible to hold on to, that's like a clear idea that um can help us process this insane time. You know, it's just it felt like such a crazy time to live through the last the last few years and not just the few I mean the last couple of years have been crazy in a different way, but let's say, since in America since yes. that election, it's been particularly um, in flux and, and like, the earth is moving and shifting. You can't take and, anything for yeah. granted yeah, yeah, exactly. what you did before.
2: Yeah, yeah it
3: was yeah. Tur- turbulent, wasn't it? Yeah, well?
1: so it just yeah. felt like ideas needed to be a little bit more explicit, work needed to be a little more legible, um, and things needed to be done differently. And I think that before that moment, art was... In this comfortable place of being poetic and interesting and and uh, you know challenging in other ways, but it didn't it suddenly didn 't feel like the time for that. It felt like the time for legibility in a, in a way
3: actually that 's what I felt when I did the introduction i was I said resolutely queer, but there is yeah. something so resolute about it yeah like so it 's got a clarity to mm. it, and I love the the presentation of this. Kind of relationship that you and Mackenzie have together, mm-hmm. and the even if it is a constructed scene, mm-hmm. there's still a connection between the two of you that you feel without even visibly seeing you. Yeah, well,
2: it's you know, a lived experience. You're ex- yeah, lived seeing a queer lived experience, and it
3: feels so authentic and so real. That but it, also like, mundane, the ordinary. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. the in between yeah, yeah, yeah. moments. Yeah.
2: It's not going. This is you know we're out like at a show and we're doing this and that. It's just an existence right. showing you on a gallery wall. This is what it is. You're human. This isn't this thing that you're being told in your head, you know. Yeah. And this thing about being resolute, I know we feel it, but I certainly feel it as an actor, is that the, because of the, since that election, especially, I feel like I'm queer, mm-hmm. I'm gay, I'm a gay yeah. man, I live my life as a gay man, yeah. this is my partner, this is what I do. If it feels more important than ever mm. to be who you are and authentic.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Yeah, and also I feel like especially with relationships between women, um, there's been so little representation of that, mm-hmm. and yeah. and I never wanted to like necessarily involve myself in you know identity and and whatever like I you know it was like oh but I'm you know up here thinking about these ideas and that's such a basic thing and it's like no actually we need to like establish these basic things as you know as acceptable still you know <laughs> and also as as Existing. It exists
2: it exists like I yeah. think
1: you know i I didn't grow up ever seeing relationships between women, like I never encountered a lesbian in my in my childhood or adolescence or and and it wasn't something I saw on television or it wasn't certainly wasn't something I saw in art or in painting and um yeah, it feels really good, actually, to be in this in this position of having an audience and, you know, these young w- women seeing that, oh, this is a life that's possible. And, yeah. and maybe I do identify with the person who makes these paintings or the person that she's painting. And um, I would have, I think it would have served me um, really well to have had examples like that to look to.
0: Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. But
1: yeah, and also it's funny, just the question of uh, (laughs) the way that women have sex, you know, because I think that's still really misinterpreted a lot in these paintings. There are a lot of paintings that I don't see as sexual at all that people think are sexual. And I'm like, that's not actually how women have sex. That's not a sex painting. Right. Right. And also let's just like put this out there that scissoring is not a thing. That's not how women have sex. And this is, and people will be like these paintings of scissoring. I'm like, no, these are, (laughs) these are bodies that are close and these are landscapes or they're something abstract or they're, you know, they're, implausible combinations of bodies in some of them, and they're not... And then some of them are explicitly sexual, and it's like... But in those, sometimes people don't even see those as sexual. or You know, it's just funny. Or I've had people see the explicitly sexual things and think that it's my friend and I or something. You know, it's really... I mean, I think that women in particular, um, it's it's, uh, almost impossible for people to see women together and and see them as sexual and romantic people always think that my partner and I are friends they're like oh your friend and they and they you know they really they really think that or mm. they think you this know is
2: because of our history though is this because, because of, of, of the world women, the yeah. given I think agency. there is
1: there there is still this like lesbian invisibility is still a very real thing um and yeah, I think that people just don't... I mean, that's changing so much. We actually have lesbian characters in, you know, TV and movies all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And it feels really new, right? I'm mm-hmm. sure you've noticed it. It's like, wow, a lesbian character, you know, that used to be so well, rare. All the
2: superheroes every week is yeah. like you know, a gay <laughs> yeah. superhero, Love lesbian it. superhero, yeah. trans superhero. It's like yeah, yeah, all yeah. that representation exactly. that's being shown, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean... And obvi- quickly. For something, yeah, exactly. going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, trans representation, that's even more abysmal it's like yeah um yeah yeah and caricatured and all these things so
2: but all your all your um well Mackenzie, especially but everybody in your paintings has given so much agency as a woman and there's this quote that you that i got that you said that you're making work that comes directly from a tradition that would have left me out until very recently and that continues to exclude many voices what we're talking about but you you've had this struggle with being an artist the paintings you're making because of what art history has kind of embedded in Mm -hmm. you.
1: Yeah. And I think that, um, that's part of what drove the, the, the impulse to have this, this fluorescent nipple, you know, and it's also Which like, is your trademark. Yeah, kind of, isn't it? yeah. <laughs> it became my trademark. And A fluoro nipple. Little did yeah. I know when I painted the first one, but it's particularly um, fluorescent on the book cover as well. Yeah, yeah. and within the book, I feel <laughs> yeah. like
3: the actual way they've printed the, book yeah, the book, yeah, yeah, right, exactly.
1: They're... It's very specific fluorescent ink. Um, yeah, but this this need to, um, I don't know, make it clear that I'm painting this naked body, but it's it's not the same thing as. The way, you know, someone might have been painting a naked body a hundred years ago, mm. and I think also, um, we've seen nude, um, nude in quotes, you know, paintings of women for so many hundreds of years that it's become this completely benign thing, and and I wanted to do something to to make it not benign anymore. Mm. It's like this this is a physical body and it's a person you're looking at a naked body of a person this is not a a nude you know it's Mm. like it's so like um yeah the nude became so kind of ineffectual in a way it's like and also i mean the nipple is such a silly um you know fought over like body part, you yeah. know, or sens- the nipple, slip, and yeah, exactly, the nipple. yeah, exactly, yeah. which is so silly. And it, I think it's funny that it's we're all trained to be so polite and and skim over that part of the body with our eyes and and not look there. So putting making them fluorescent, so you you just like can't help but like keep, your eye keeps going back there, and you're like, so ir- it's kind of irritating. But like I'm trying not to
2: look there. Aren't fluoro?
1: Well, actually, they are. Oh, they are. That's yeah. what it
2: is, right? Okay. In real life, does she have? Does she have? Um, vanity does she ever look at the work and go you're not putting that out there I look like
1: you know no she's actually amazing she's constantly posting like the most unflattering photos of herself like she'll she'll just like do the thing where you smash your chin against your chest you have three chins when she's (laughs) like that's the photo she posts of herself you know so she has no problem and um yeah I enjoy painting her actually in slouching positions where her stomach will crease and roll and because that's that's how bodies are and um I think women should stop feeling uncomfortable sitting however they want and mm-hmm. feeling like they have to sit in a way where their you know their skin doesn't crease or where any flaw shows or and she's you know I don't I, I think it it takes a while for people to even read those things in the work because she is this kind of this like Eurocentric like ideal in a way this blonde hair and blue eyes and and that's like that's actually kind of a tricky hurdle in the work because I'm not trying to reinforce those those um yeah beauty standards mm. um but that just happens to be how she looks so mm. you know that's the reality of it but I but I I'm not trying to they're not they're not glamour shots they're not they're not made to like play up her beauty necessarily. I'm just trying to show her in, in every, you know, every angle of how she, how she looks going yeah. through the
3: world there's also a real strength like there's a portrait in the lower gallery um downstairs where she's holding her hand up mm-hmm. and russell and i were both totally transfixed by that painting because there's something so strong about that mm-hmm. that particular body language yeah and she has a, a strength doesn't she as a as a as a kind of siren or something yeah within the work she's this like for me she's someone that's sort of bringing strength yeah um
1: she has a very a very powerful energy i think which is one of the reasons why I find her so inspiring as a subject. Um, And yeah, that painting, she's trying to kind of shield herself from the gaze, I think. And she's like, you know what? Like, I don't, I'm not comfortable in this, in this, the bright light of your scrutiny, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah, it feels never ending. Like you're saying, you can see different kind of images the whole time of her. It feels like we're going to grow old with Mackenzie yes you know we
1: are going to yeah, yeah. so We're engaged the, the, so, you, yeah,
2: yeah you're engaged congratulations yeah
1: <laughs> so she'll be around
2: yeah is, is that is there anything terrifying in the idea that you're immortalizing this relationship and you know not saying anything bad happens yeah. but you must think like she's your muse and uh-huh. this sort of growing old together <laughs> is it is, what's the fears of that And and what is that like for her knowing that you know this work is so personal. Uh-huh. She must want to hold on to all of them. Them yeah. going out in the world, you you parting, yeah. giving a you are giving a piece of your kind of intimacy to a collector to an institution. <laughs> yeah. What's that feel like?
1: I, I somehow I feel like you've been like eavesdropping on all our conversations or something. You <laughs> yeah. really hit the nail on the head with that one. She, um yeah, she wants to keep all the paintings, mm. but not me. I'm like, get them out of here. Like I cannot look at this body of work anymore because it's really hard to think about the next body of work when you're surrounded by one body of work and and also if I look at something long enough I'm gonna wish I'd done something differently or feel do you like... destroy work I don't okay. I don't but, um, but there are some paintings if I still had them I probably would right. you know <laughs> but, but yeah I, it's good for me for them to leave and but she would rather hold on to them um, but yeah I think she she loves being immortalized you know she she wants to live forever and story like yeah this is, like, yeah, this ways, is the yeah. closest the closest you know the, the way to get there but she um uh yeah i i i am a person who's a little bit more like um afraid of of you know getting stuck in something or whatever or like or it it could be scary to be like oh but n- like the relationship is so um, – the work is so dependent on the relationship. Right. And what if one changes or something? Is that going to affect the other, you know? But I think she likes that because she's like, well, now you're really stuck with me. You built your work around me.
2: Yeah, you're so entwined. The legs that you can't tell <laughs> yes. whose is whose? That yes. is your life. And actually, you're she the, loves that.
3: The ring is a big part of yeah. this exhibition. And yeah. I, I love also your um, – the titles of your work are so specific and so poetic and brilliant Thank you. and I was actually really taken aback when I started reading some of the titles because they really offer like a completely different insight to what you would have without reading them mm-hmm. if that makes sense because you can obviously project your own narrative on something mm-hmm. but I love the one where it's like um, Mackenzie sort of like moving through a room in a museum and then she doesn't like that oh, room yeah. number yeah. because of the the context of like straight history being yeah. constantly presented in the history yeah. of painting yeah yeah um I, I yeah
1: I think it's called like uh, Mackenzie's lack of interest in gallery it's some gallery <laughs> number one yeah yeah. So yeah it's very
2: literal as you're saying your yeah, titles yeah. are very literal yeah. yeah
1: um I love titles actually and I think they're really important clues it's actually one of the things that I think has been really nice about Instagram there's so many not nice things that we could talk about but um the fact that you encounter the title along with the image because mm-hmm. it's one of the only places that that happens really readily um you know obviously people have access to the titles when they're looking at a show in a gallery but they so rarely like are diligent enough to to read them and look at the painting and care yeah um yeah so i think it's i for me my titles i think i think of them as really important um and i'm so i'm glad that you you were taking note Mm, mm, mm.
2: so i've read you're not a messy painter You were able to go to, like, you could go to the studio and what you're wearing now, you're wearing this lovely kind of pantsuit, Uh and then you could leave the studio and go out for the night, and that's completely fine.
1: That's not true anymore. I don't know know where you read that, and that was once (laughs) true, um, especially, you know, there was was a long period of um, my life where I made only really small paintings, and they were so you know, precise that, yeah, I wouldn't, I never got paint on myself. Making these big paintings, I'm so messy. I have paint all over all my clothes and I've tried wearing normal clothes sometimes being like, I'm just going to do a little, you know, it's not going to, but it's like my studio now is like, there are landmines everywhere just right. and it's oil paint it takes so long to dry so it's on you know the corner of a table and then it's on your jacket
2: so. forever
1: and
3: what about the physicality of making these works because i said to Russ, when we were looking at them the way that you're presenting light through these very bold gestures yeah. and it's like a big brush mm-hmm. like you really feel the light moving mm-hmm. through the stroke it's yeah. like quite unusually extraordinary like I, That's the only word I can find is extraordinary because I just find them amazing. Is it like a physical, like almost like a workout for you to make these works?
1: Yeah, the large ones are extremely physical. Um, And I think that, you know, those, yeah, they, again, you know, I don't want to harp on this all the time, but the big paintings have such different energy than the small paintings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think for me, the big ones are really about pleasure and, well, it's pleasure and discomfort, I think, paint is pleasure and discomfort and bodies are pleasure and discomfort and i think they're really analogous in that way um so i i always want the, there to be like so much like visceral pleasure in the paint to and and for people to be able to have a real bodily experience with the with the painting um so yeah the large ones it's like you really feel the paint and the movement of the paint and they're, you're kind of entering into this almost like um, kind of theatrical setting. The paintings are almost like it's almost like a stage and you enter sometimes through my legs, which is, you know, kind of provocative. Mm-hmm. And, and you're entering the scene. Um,
2: they make re- me think of you know, on photos when you have the live thing now on the yeah. iPhone, it's really bloody annoying. Yeah. It does that movement. Yeah. It feels like you've got that. If you actually touch the painting, yeah. you'd get the oh actual my God. bit of movement. I've before got to figure out
1: how to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: like yeah. a lenticular version. Yeah. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But yeah, then the, the smaller ones, um, they you, you have such a different physical relationship to them. But what I love about the small ones is that you have to have a, a truly intimate experience with them because you have to get physically very close to them, inches away, to be able to see all of the little details. and.
3: But also the subject matter in the smaller paintings are these really, like you were saying, like the one with the water bottle, but also there's one of, I think, there's two women... I guess it's Mackenzie. I thought it was Mackenzie and you, but I'm not sure if it is the two of you. Oh, yeah, it is us. The red one. It's you as well, isn't it? It's me. That's
1: one of the rare ones where I'm actually in it. it. You were in it, yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, But that one felt really like, almost like in a dressing room or
1: something. Yes, that one's a kind of behind the scenes. And it's like, so the clamp light's just lying on the floor. It's not being employed in the same way. And um, it's called Two Mirrors. So she's kind of doing this like flexing in the mirror thing, just like goofing off when we're not like (laughs) taking the photo for the, painting. Little does she know I'm taking her photo anyway. You know, that's like one of those things of like the voyeuristic stolen moment. Well, I'm going to take this, you know, and I'm sitting on the floor and, you know, it's kind of an in-between time of maybe I'm about to take photos for a painting. Um, but it's it's literally two mirrors. Again, everything is so literal, but the she's looking in a mirror and then you can see that most of the frame is within a mirror. So, you know, I'm taking the photo in a mirror. But then also two mirrors in the way that you know we're really there in the painting to to be mirrors for the viewer like the the viewer really so much about what you see in a painting is obviously yourself um so it's
2: activated by an yeah i feel
1: like yeah yeah, we are we're there to reflect your own experience
3: and actually that's what i found really interesting was that for me as a gay man Mm -hmm. like I really related to a lot of the imagery, but it's not my experience either. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, and I also have a kind of um, solidarity Mm -hmm. with you as women. Like I, almost like an ally or something Mm -hmm. because I I don't have your experience Mm -hmm. but I really did relate to it and I think partly is because of the brush strokes Mm -hmm. because I often find with like photorealist painting I sometimes just unless someone's really genius Mm -hmm. like certain people can do it where it's like extraordinary but But but, Stingle does doesn't he yeah but I I sometimes just feel like everything gets lost but in your paintings I feel like they're real like the light could literally be a a light in front of me but when you actually study it it's not it's just brush strokes like how complicated it is that as a journey, like, I guess you talked about it as a kid because you were pushing outside the lines mm-hmm. of what you were supposed to be containing, mm-hmm. you know, your, your creativity within on the actual drawing when you were a kid. But like, there's something about that breaking through, you know, um, outside of the lines.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's what's so fun about painting is like how, like, improbable it can be that this combination of of marks can combine to make something um that makes sense you know and i yeah i love uh, painting the the clamp light that's turned around on the viewer particularly like the one of my son um where he has the light shining at the viewer Mm -hmm. it's like it's almost this like celestial kind of orb or something it's It's like like, a religious it's like really it's like like, so fun to just like move the paint in that way and and create this like phenomenological kind of effect
2: Um, does he like it does he like being painted he
1: loves it he doesn't like being photographed just because well i mean for one thing i'm sort of torturing him with this show like let me just shine this light in your eyes one more time (laughs) (laughs) it's like mom are we done but he loves being in the paintings and i think he feels really proud when he sees a painting in a gallery you know and it's like
2: is he here with you now as well that's
1: me everyone by the way that's me i'm i'm the guy in the painting
2: is he (laughs) here now with you
1: No, I wish he were, but, you know, he has school. Oh, yeah, of course.
2: Is it quite a private uh, venture for you painting? Like when you're creating these, is Mackenzie over there over your shoulder going, what's this one? What picture have you got there? Where did this one come from? I remember that. I didn't know you took a photo then.
1: Yeah, there was a little bit of that for a while in early COVID because I was working in a studio in my home and um, I found it nearly impossible. So then I, you know, I, I got another studio Because it used to be that I could work from home and no one would be there, but then suddenly my son was in virtual school and she was never on tour and we were all just there all the time. I was like, this isn't working. I have to get a studio. So I have a studio that's um, really close to where I live and um, I, yeah, I will never try that again. And in fact, like um, I just started working with having an assistant just a few hours a week sometimes and... It's really hard to even know how to tell her when to come in because I find it really hard to paint when anyone is watching, which is funny considering yeah, the work. That, the yeah, 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 exactly. I I don't like to be watched. I like to be the one doing the looking, which is maybe maybe I have some questions about that, which is yeah. why I make the work.
3: Yeah. And actually, you did a whole series of paintings with some of our friends in. So Tor yes. you painted, and you went into other artists' studios, yes. very specifically within their studio. It wasn't like you went to their – well, if their studio was their home, I guess you, you probably did go to their home. But it was about the artist's studio, and yeah. then the artist sort of painted being watched by you. Yes. Can you talk about that series? Because I love that series.
1: Thank you. Yeah, that was really fun. That came from this um, – I mean I I think of those paintings as, as being kind of uh, like almost comedic like I because I just feel like it's so funny this this thing of um the artist in the studio the yes. photo, and how we we're always being asked to supply photos of ourselves in the studio like like an animal in the zoo or something like, yeah. what is this thing and and
3: like selling your wares
1: Yeah and you never know what how to what, you know, what angle to, to, to work, you know, it's like, do I wear my real painting clothes? Cause <laughs> mm. like, for one thing, they're so grungy, but also that seems kind of pretentious because obviously you're not there painting, you're there having your photo taken, you know, but do you wear nice clothes? Cause that just looks kind of ridiculous in the studio setting. And it's like, they're just, there's something so awkward and funny about the artist in the studio photos. But I also love them. You know, I love seeing artist studios and seeing what the artist looks like as much as anyone else does. So it's a kind of... Um, it's that camp thing in the, in the Susan Sontag sense where it's like it's like camp, camp is, you know... It comes from a real love of the thing, but, you know, you take it to a kind of extreme and it mm. does have like a... There's a lightheartedness to it. And for me, those those... Paintings are in that realm, but um, yeah, I that that was really fun. Comedy what? is
2: really important to you as well in in your work. What is comedy? Oh yeah, there's a I lot of humor. So. I think like, there's you. a there's a painting of Mackenzie at the side of a road peeing. I think at yeah. one point which is, you know, quite revealing but also <laughs> yeah. hilarious. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's like it's a comedy like you said about it. it's funny to see your friends, your community painting them like that. Yeah. It's there's so many different emotions that pulsate yeah. through your work.
1: But they're also so sincere, you know, I I I really admire these people and they were such good sports to do it and I think they all really got it. They really under because they were they're like, ah, oh, yeah, the artist in the studio photo it's so
2: it's, it's a like, trope, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: yeah. It's just such a funny thing that we all participate in and have yeah. agreed that is okay to do, and and we're all on board with it. But also, it's like maybe it should be questioned a little mm. but
3: also there is sincerity within humor which i think people yeah. often don't realize it's yeah. like hello everyone yeah like, humor and being funny we'll get the message kind of, out for yeah that's days. also part of the experience of life isn't it yeah. you have moments where we laugh and we have great times yeah <laughs> that's what i hang out with russell I mean, he says i love it's the opposite for me um, <laughs> but also i like the fact that you're immortalizing these these artists like mm. almost like the network the kind of crew that you have mm. your yeah. kind of peers mm-hmm. can you talk about peer support and how important that's been for you and incidentally when you mentioned instagram mm-hmm. i noticed like Lindsay mendick who i I represent she's an artist based in Margate and she keeps writing on your post stuff like you're just totally amazing and she's like a cheerleader for you <laughs> and I, like, so I love the idea fans. that yeah like international like art artists fans. Art love
2: artists, love artists are like and yeah and
3: I told Tracy Emin that I was coming here and she was like Jenna Grippen Jenna Griffin, I, I follow her. Really? I love her. Yeah, so it's really interesting that, like, to wow. me, that you're about to British... be in a show with
2: her as well, aren't you? Yeah, in Fort women Worth. Painting women painting yes. women. Yes.
1: Yes.
3: Yeah. But I love the idea that even international artists that you might not have met yet yes. are, like, cheerleading you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
1: Like, what does that feel I mean, like? that's incredible. I didn't know that Tracy Emin was a fan. Yeah, that's
3: she is. Amazing. A Big, big fan. Like, that's she was, incredible. I've never actually seen her that animated. Like, wow. she was really excited. Wow, that's yeah. amazing.
1: Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's actually so incredible because I feel like I spent over a decade being a figurative painter and feeling completely isolated like I'm the only figurative painter in the world in New York City anyway (laughs) you know just like and and people would ask you what kind of work you made and I'd be like oh I make figurative paintings and they'd look at you like you're a little touched in the head or something like oh poor thing Mm. figurative painter you know it's like (laughs) but now it's like I have all these amazing friends whose work I am obsessed with and and um we go to each other's studios and talk about painting and talk about shows, and we're in shows together, and we get to hang out, and it's just the best thing Do in the trade?
2: world. Do you trade? Do you trade work?
1: Sometimes we're all so, like, busy that we have a hard time. Um, but actually, the, um, that show of artists in their studios, I kept the painting of Duran. And he's getting it, and he has made a painting of Mackenzie and I, so I'm getting it. Oh, oh,
3: wow. Yeah. I also love the one of Anthony yes. Yeah, Yeah. Great. I love, I love that. It's one. one of
1: my favorite. You really
3: captured him so well yeah. as well, because I've seen him through photography and also through his own paintings. But but yours was really – like, the minute I saw it, I knew it was him.
1: There's something so sweet about his, too. Yeah, it's totally. like It is, you know, eroticized, but it's also like – yeah, there was something so um, – he brought so much vulnerability to his, his pose, which I loved. And and I just, that, that's one of my favorite ones from, from that show. It's like, because it really was like beautiful and vulnerable, but also sensual and, you know, it's just like amazing. But I ever, love Anthony.
2: Are you ever surprised with what you've made when you step back afterwards and go, wow, I, I just painted that? Or where did that come from?
1: <laughs> yes. I like all the time and, and, um, sometimes it lasts and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I'm like, wow, look at that. That's incredible. And that, and a week later I'm like, "Mm, that's just okay. You know, But, uh, (laughs) but sometimes I'm really surprised. And I was, someone was, uh, we were talking at the gallery about, um, you know, if it's hard to paint Mackenzie knowing her face so well and not just like, you know, paint it,
2: imagining it yeah yeah or
1: or not just paint it the same way every time or something and i was like no because when you're in this this painting process you're just like it's like edges and form and line and and you know color and whatever and all these things are just happening kind of in this really abstract way in the brain, I think. And then, but then sometimes she'll just emerge. And I'm like, oh my God, there she is. Hi, Mackenzie. You know, it's like, she just, she just appears. And those moments, yeah, sometimes it's really surprising. I'm like, that's her. She's there in the painting.
3: I really love the idea as well of the exceptionalness of like everyday moments, the Mm -hmm. kind of extraordinariness, Mm -hmm. the magicalness of like, Mm -hmm. even just like drinking a glass of water, but how, when that's put into art, how extraordinary and how, how everyone can relate to it it kind of elevates it all. Like art can elevate it our everyday experiences. It slows you down and makes you yeah.
2: notice, doesn't it? That's and we, it
3: that is. we all matter as humans. There's yeah. a humanity to it. Yeah. I just, I really take away from your show here in, in London now. It's like, I don't know, it's just a joy, isn't it? To yeah, be alive 100%. right now. Yeah.
2: We love you. Thank we love you, you. so much. Um, one more question before we get on to our last questions. When you first came to New York, you, well, actually, Rob told me something earlier that you had the wherewithal at one point when you said you were struggling to hold your work back, to protect your work. So that now you're at a position where this work is going out there and it's it's going into great places and you protected it. Yeah,
3: but also like you weren't you didn't do loads of group shows. So you were at a period where you weren't you didn't have that many exhibitions, but you just stuck to your guns, focused yeah. on your work. And I love this idea of you would make a painting and that led to the next painting. Mm-hmm. And it was that simple. Yeah.
2: Was that hard like financially to support yourself and, yes. and also have that wherewithal <laughs> to not sell a lot?
1: Oh no! I would have sold all oh. of them.
2: Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
3: No,
1: it was just uh, nobody wanted them at that time. Yeah, there were there were many years where I wasn't in any shows, and but I would you know I would kind of make ends meet a lot of times by doing commissions, and then I would sell an occasional painting. You know, it was enough to get by. I would sell an occasional painting, be in an occasional show, but there were there were a couple of years where there was like not a, it was crickets, like not a single group show, nothing. And that wasn't because I was, I had so much integrity. That was just like, no one was, no one was asking. How
2: yeah. did you support yourself? Cause because at one point when you first came to you, you were working for Jeff Koons. Yeah. Studio, I worked for you? Jeff
1: Koons for a year, making paintings and mixing paint. And what was that, that like? Was, that was amazing. Um, I made some friends there that I still have. And, um, it was like being in Santa's workshop, you know, it was really surreal and, um, bizarre, but it was full time. And I only did it for a year because I, I hardly made any paintings that year. Um, but it was a really interesting experience and introduction to the, like one, one aspect of the contemporary art world, which is pretty wild. Um, and, um, yeah, so I did that for a year and then, all, soon after that, I I got I was commissioned to make the paintings for the film Ré Antoinette, the Sofia Coppola film. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I made these three huge paintings, and I lived off of that for a little while, and then I did some commission portraits along the way. I actually was, love that film
3: you do exactly yeah. and I love the book that Risley published. I used to give it away as gifts to people oh really because I Amazing. think it's the most beautiful book I love that film that, like just on a visual level it was so insane
1: yeah, it's so beautiful. That book was made before the paintings were made the paintings actually were made by someone who does paintings for films um, and then she wasn't she wasn't happy with them so she actually reshot the scenes. That have my paintings in them what? and had the painting. She had the paintings remade. Well, and all the actors come back and, and,
2: and do the scenes again. Yeah, wow. no way.
1: Yeah, see that is interesting because Sophia Coppola. I think she's
3: so visionary. Yeah, she. And is. I think sometimes people don't actually give her the respect she's due because she's extraordinary.
1: She's so um, detail oriented, yeah. and she has such a um, yeah, such a vision, and everything is. That's why everything is so beautiful because she insists on it being. Wow, made.
3: I yeah. never knew that. That's yeah. cool.
2: Wow. All right. So every guest, we ask the same questions. Mm -hmm. The first one is if you could do an art heist, I don't know if you collect art yourself, (laughs) but if you could have any work of art in the world from anywhere in the world, what would it be and why? And
3: we'll help you. It can be huge if it needs to be.
1: I've been thinking about this question I knew you were going to ask me and (laughs) I find it so impossible. I feel like I'm like defined by my indecisiveness. So it's like, how can you ask me something like this? But I don't know. It might have to be Manet lunch on the grass because
2: Indigenous Yeah,
1: because I, you know, I've referred to that painting so often and there's so many things at play and I love Manet. Manet is like a real go-to. I, you know, I look at many, many artists but I do kind of go back to him mm. as a painter. So maybe that one you or Origin that. of the World or but I really also for some reason I just really want like an amazing big Cindy Sherman. Really? Yeah. That's interesting.
2: From what series, like?
1: I don't, any of them. I think she's such a genius. Have you met her? No, I haven't. No, but I would love to have.
3: God, some of the work in the 80s, it's so brutal.
2: Yeah.
1: I just...
3: The darkness yeah. of it all. like it would I be intense to live side. with
1: that, but I, I would love to try. Totally. See how that See how that goes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I, I'd rather live with something like that by her, like yeah. one of the really like tormenting kind of crazy
2: ones. You like that though. That's your taste. Darkness.
3: Yeah. Yeah. The darkness. Yeah. Yeah. I just
1: think, yeah, there was. She's amazing. Wow. Really.
3: The other question we ask every guest is, "What is your favorite color?"
1: And that's also a hard question, but um, I can tell you some of my favorite painting colors. Okay. <laughs> Which is like I color Surely is like pink. it's like Surely yeah it exactly yeah. not not that actually. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I have I I'm really into Montserrat orange, which is particularly like a Williamsburg paint color. And, why Why
3: Williamsburg?
1: Um, they just make this really nice. Um, it's kind of a peachy orange, really bright.
2: Oh, that's color. a brand, is it? Yeah. paint? Oh, sorry. Yeah. I thought you meant the place. Like, like the yellow, New York. No, right. no that's um, a
1: paint brand. Uh, and then manganese blue is another. Oh, yeah. I man, know yeah, oh, that one. Another favorite. So those are like two painting colors that I like really can't live without. Awesome. And um, Indian yellow. I can, yeah, Indian yellow. Which is yellow, I so beautiful and that. transparent and amazing. Yeah.
3: How, how important is music for you? Because obviously Mackenzie makes music and if you were part of the whole Athens scene at that time, I imagine you were around music. So is music something that influences the work?
1: It does. It does actually. Um, I don't know about influences. Music for me is a really good tool to like shut out the chatter in my own brain. You know, so when I'm in the studio, I'm usually listening to music because I... Otherwise I'm listening to myself, which is really unpleasant. So Oh, like yeah. the
3: authoritative voice saying this isn't good enough. Yeah, or, or something
1: like that. Do it better. Or, 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 or that's good. Yeah, yeah. Maybe this isn't a good idea for a painting, or just thinking about like everything I have to do or oh I need to respond to that email or whatever. And it's like if I'm listening to music, I'm just it's so it makes it easier for me to kind of get in the zone.
3: Do you have any snacks or any rituals in the studio? <sighs>
1: um, I do eat some snacks. It's usually just like I don't know. Like boring things, whatever is fast and easy.
2: Um, like what tortilla <laughs> chips, so, like
3: almonds?
2: Yeah, Sometimes right?
1: chocolate covered almonds. Fantastic or, Good choice. Or um, oh, I got on this kick of these bad like like dill pickle flavored almonds. They're like really salty <laughs> what? and they're like. What? Not- <laughs> It's very American, right? Yeah. Oh my god, like, I've
3: never heard Blue of that. Blue
1: Diamond, I think, is the brand, oh, yeah, but they yeah. have all these Wait. flavors of almonds, and it's
3: okay. Like, when we go to New York, we're going to do
2: We're the, going to have the good, very almonds. flavorful.
1: My mouth is like watering, thinking. <laughs> like,
2: Amazing! What uh, is the it? best advice that you have ever received when it comes to your work?
1: Um, best advice I've received. Uh, um, I don't know. I think the best advice is just to make the work. And, you know, to like to follow the work, you know, I feel like that was something that was kind of e- an ethos from my my undergraduate painting program, which was very not conceptual or um, there. We worked kind of like outside of any awareness of the contemporary art world, which was good and bad, but it, like it was just a strong studio ethic. It was just kind of like trust the work, make the work um just show up, show up for the work.
2: Mm. That's good um, advice for other yeah. people as well, isn't it? Younger yeah. artists. And
1: don't, yeah, don't try to like, like um, figure it out without letting letting the work tell you what it needs you to do, you know, that Got kind
3: it. of thing. Yeah, so like listen to the creative kind of yeah. source of yeah, the work. Yeah. Look
1: at what's in front, look at what you've made and and decide from there where where to go next.
3: Brilliant. Amazing. I also heard that when you went to Hunter, you were kind of, almost like trying to create your own opportunities. And I really like this idea that like you don't have to wait for the art world to find you. It's right. almost like you just need to do your own thing yeah. and then everyone will eventually catch up. Mm-hmm. Is that something you still would sort of tell people? Definitely.
1: About? I mean, unfortunately, there's no there's no map laid out for how to be an artist and get your work into the world. Yeah, I do think that like Instagram has made it easier for people to... Um, have access to you know getting their work in front of in front of the people who are looking for work mm. which you know when i first moved to new york i didn't i it took me so long to figure out how to even get someone to come to my studio and even once i knew a lot of people in the art world it was hard to get someone to go to your studio um and so i think that's become easier in certain ways but um but yeah there's there's no one way to do it and you do just kind of have to um keep making the work and, and, and find find your way somehow, yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much.
3: Yeah. I am so happy we've met you. Yeah.
2: Um, so, well, Jenna's show is on now at Massimo de Carlo Gallery in uh, Mayfair in London called Light Holding. It's on to the 26th of February. Then you are in the Frick Collection. Yes. That's coming up. Do we know, is it top secret, what painting you've sort of been assigned <laughs> or you've chosen? Because currently Salmon Tor is up and Daron Langberg's up. Daron's chosen a Holbein, Salman's chosen a for me. No. Yes. Yes.
1: So the the paintings are all actually we were assigned oh. to replace a painting. So I'm actually um so Duran's painting hung next to Sir Thomas More the whole Holbein, and now Sir Thomas More is being loaned out, so my painting will replace Sir Thomas More, um, and hang next to Thomas Cromwell. So um, yes, more, more more Holbein and um,
2: oh, so you're doing Holbein? Okay. Also
1: Holbein, yeah, Great. and it's a painting of Mackenzie. Yes, so I'm very excited to see her intimidate Cromwell. Mm. I think he's going to be shaking in his robes
2: or whatever <laughs> it is doing. rough it is rough <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah um
1: <laughs> yes and the the title of that i can tell you the title um the title of the painting is what am i doing here i should ask you the same
2: <laughs> it's, amazing it's, yeah, well, that's an incredible quick. show because toyino Tolo is the other artists yes, there's four of you artists yeah. that have been and she's incredible incredible yeah and the four contemporary artists that have been brought into the frick collection which mm-hmm. is obviously old masters historical works and I can't wait to go and see that. It's exciting, and as we touched on earlier, you then have a women painted women show at Fort Worth with loads of amazing artists. Loads of artists that we've also had on the podcast, like Tracy Emin, Lisa Bryce. We haven't had on, but big fan. Uh, Lisa Scavage, Samaya Critchlow. Uh, that that sounds incredible.
1: All incredible artists that you just
2: yeah. listed. Yeah.
3: yeah. A final note. One of my favorite paintings you've ever done is the piano playing, where there's a duet happening on a piano. Yes. With I think your son. Yes. It. Is it you and your son?
1: No, it's my son and his father oh okay Yeah, because that is such a beautiful painting thank you so much I love that, and
3: that oh that, they've got their bums
2: showing yeah. That yeah. Exactly. The little, yeah, and yeah, yeah.
1: that's the
3: one that I think is so like that, that magical moment that you might miss yeah. you know, or, or overlook yeah, yeah. and the way to have that immortalised it's a yeah. beautiful beautiful thing yeah. well thank you Jenna thank you, Jenna. I'm so happy we've met you yeah. and, um, thank you so much Yeah. congratulations on this show because it is extraordinary you can visit um, at Massimo De Carlo on Instagram and Fredericks and Freiser they're also on Instagram both your galleries
1: and then your Instagram is Jenna Gribben. At Jenna Gribben.
3: We will be tagging you on our Instagram at TalkArt. You? Yes. You'll be able to find images of all the artworks we've discussed in today's episode. Thank
2: you so much. Thank Enjoy you the rest so much. of your time
3: in London. Bye, everyone. It's great to be here. Bye. Bye.